So thankful for your generosity. And aren't you thankful for the upgrade in the screen quality? Are you enjoying that so far? Those of you who normally attend here, you know what, uh, just a whole different level that this is, and we're excited about it. I want to challenge you today with a message from my heart. It was just over a year ago that I heard a man ask this question. What is it like to be on the other side of me? He was talking about communication and how he had used that question in one of his talks. But when he posed that question, I didn't hear anything else he said because the Lord just took that question and pushed it right into my heart, into my thoughts. And for over a year, I have been challenged by it. And to be honest with you, I didn't like the answers that were coming back to me when I considered what it's like to be on the other side of me. It's a question that goes to the heart. So I ask, you know, what would it be like if Jesus, for one day and one night, lived my life with his heart? My circumstances or schedule remained the same, but my life was just led completely by Jesus. So it would have been his priorities governing my actions and his passion that would direct my decisions. It would be his love that would compel me. And so would people then on the other side of me, my life but his heart, notice a difference, family and friends. And without a doubt, the answer would be yes, and it would be a a, a huge influence because we all have an influence. People on the other side of us come into the climate of the culture that we set by the way we live. Our influence is first and foremost uh, formed by our heart. And so this became a challenge, a question that I wanted to answer, and there are many answers, and I'm just going to start into this today, and we'll continue with this in the weeks to come. But those on the other side of me, I I would like to come under the influence of someone who really, really has a heart after God. In other words, a seeking heart. When I think about Paul... He so models this. So in Philippians 3, verse 14, it's kind of like the beginning verse, and then we're going to back up and see the context of the chapter. Philippians 3, 14, I want you to see this verse with me and let it challenge all of us. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press. It's a word that I'm going after God. I'm going to follow after God. I am going to seek God. God. That's his heart. So in this chapter, he has given his resume. He has talked about who he has been, the experiences in education, and it's quite a healthy, stout resume. But in light of wanting this closer relationship with Jesus, here's what he says in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He has such a passion to go after God that if he considers the value of his history, 
experience and education, compared to the worth of this close relationship with Jesus, then it's like all the other is of no value. He even uses the word garbage. And he's not raining on his history. He's just trying to show the, the sincerity of his heart to not just go through the motions as a religious leader that would result in those on the other side of him only ever experiencing a form of godliness, but never the power. So he says, I want to know him. What we're seeing in this verse, actually it's verses 7 and 8, it's a whole transformation of the way he thought. He's like, I've waited and I want to know Jesus. That is his heart. And we see him saying, I don't want my testimony to be a lie. I want to give you the very first phrase of verse 9. It's, Paul says, I want to be found in him. Do you hear the pursuit, the desire that I would know him? I'm going to press toward him, that I would be found in him. He is saying, I want to really possess what it is I profess. He doesn't want there to be a duplicity in what he says and who he really is. He doesn't want his testimony to be a lie. We all know how dangerous that is. To not just be believers in word only. Because if we are, then those on the other side of us see a sterile image of this one named Jesus. It never has the power. It doesn't match this God of adventure, grace, and majesty that we read in Scripture when we have a veneer of lordship rather than a heart that is going after God, that I would be found in Him. There's a prayer that has long shaped my life. It's this, that it would be Christ in me, Christ above me, Christ beneath me, Christ on my left and Christ on my right. Christ in every mind that thinks of me, in every word that speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. That it wouldn't be me in me, but it would be Christ in me. That I would possess what I profess. Can you imagine what it would be like for those on the other side of us? I'll make it personal. For those on the other side of me, if I really authentically, sincerely wanted God for God, I didn't want God so that I could do what it is I feel I need to do. I just wanted God for God. That I might be found in Him. I won't take the time to unpack verses 10 and 11, but it's important to see that he continues saying that I would know Him. He's saying, God found me, but the relationship didn't stop there. Now I want to know him. I'm going to seek after the one who sought me, that I would be found in him, that I would know him. And I want to know him in the full spectrum, the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. I realize there are some lessons that I can't learn other than going through some difficulty and I don't want to miss those lessons. I want to know God when the storm's raging. And I want to know him when the sun is shining. That I might know him. 
pick up on this intensity, this aggressive pursuit that we're seeing in the heart of Paul. And if, if I can get this, then those on the other side of me come into the climate of a real Christ follower, not just a churchgoer, not just someone in the clergy, but a Christ follower. So in verse 12 that I do want to read, it says, Now, not that I've already obtained all this. Paul says, I'm not there yet. Or I've already arrived at my goal. But I press. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This is so rich. I love the way King James wrote it. He says, not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect. The word perfect is a word for wholeness. It means I have, I have some deficiencies and, and I want the gap to close between who I am and, and what I say I am. I want this relationship with Jesus to be so much more. He then goes on to say, but I follow after if they, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Notice there's already been an apprehension. But it was on the part of Jesus finding him. This, this is where the hunger should be provoked. This is where the thirst should be provoked when we take just a moment to remember None of us found him. He found us. We couldn't get to him. We didn't have the wisdom to figure that out. He came to us. He found us. You go all the way back to Genesis. And it's not Adam after his brokenness and sin who is crying out to God. It's God going back into the garden calling out to Adam on the pursuit of Adam. It's God on the pursuit Come into the New Testament. And Jesus says to his disciples, we're going to change our direction today and we're going through Samaria because there is a lady whose life is dysfunctioning in the darkness of sin and I am on a pursuit. I'm going to change her life. Jesus pursued her. You see him get in a boat with his disciples and say, we're going to the other side because on the other side was a cemetery. There was a man living in that cemetery. He had been kicked out of his home, kicked out of his city because he was wild. He was uncontrollable. Nobody could help him. And Jesus went to that cemetery and pursued a man possessed of the devil. And the moment Jesus got to him, he was set free and put in his right mind. Jesus pursued you. Jesus pursued me. He apprehended me. And Paul is saying, the one who sought me, now I'm going to seek after him. I'm going to seek to apprehend that for which he first apprehended me. Paul was Saul of Tarsus on his way to Damascus continuing in his anti-God attitude, persecuting Christians, breaking into churches and, and hauling off the Christians to persecution and imprisonment. And the light of God's presence and grace just broke across 
his heart and mind while he was en route to Damascus. God found him. Jesus sought him. Jesus pursued him. Jesus found him. Jesus found me in my darkness. He found me in my sin. Me in my, in my, my heart that was foolish and darkened and aligned to the course of this world. He found me. He found Paul. And when he changed Paul's heart, Paul says, it doesn't stop with salvation. The one who found me and sought me, now I'm going on a pursuit after him that I would be found in him. I want to be found in him. I want to know him. I want to press toward him. I want to pursue him. I want a hunger. When you realize he found you, it provokes a hunger and a thirst after God. And if people on the other side of me come under the influence of someone who has a genuine hunger and thirst for Jesus, then the influence of all he is will mark their heart, mark their lives. That's why the Bible says, seek him, seek him while he may be found. Paul shows us that he hasn't arrived, he hasn't obtained it, but he doesn't just sit down and say, God, it's your responsibility. No, Paul says, I have a responsibility in the, the quality and the power of this relationship. It, it is on me to press, to, to go for it, to seek after him. And, and what Paul is showing through this whole passage is yes, there's some work involved, But if you don't see the worth of Christ, then it's all work and none of us will do it. But if we realize he found us in our sin and by his grace, he saved us. He lifted us out of that place and set our feet on a new path. And we are who we are because of grace. Grace becomes a motivation to now seek after the one who sought us. And it's not just work. It is worship, opportunity, like the chance of a lifetime to know God. The God of the universe found me. Found you. I get to now pursue a fullness in him. To be found in him. Seek the Lord. Matthew said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he'll add everything else. How easy it is to flip that verse, to seek after everything else. And then with whatever's left over, seek after God. Seeking after everything else doesn't have to land with the materialistic worldly mindset. If you're a parent, you have a family to lead. If you're an employee, you have a job to do. You have a future and you're trying to manage where you are and where you're going. There's a pursuit to that. There's an agenda to that. There are priorities of that. And we give ourselves to it. But if we give ourselves to that, then our seeking of God is in reality that we might get the it that we're after. And God's looking for the Christian and the church that will seek him for him. 
and leave provision to him. He's saying, if you'll just seek me, if you'll seek after me, everything else will be added. Talking to you from my heart today, the Holy Spirit just convicted me and I heard this in my heart. When God becomes my primary interest, I have a lot of interest as, as well as you do. We, we have God-given interests that align with the life he's given us. But I have to go back and check the first love, the primary interest. Because when God is my primary interest, that's when everything changes. The Holy Spirit drilled this into my heart about what breaks a form of godliness. A form of godliness is broken when we follow after Him. My story is this. I'm always just a few days away from the next sermon. And my seeking of God can be so much for the desire of the next talk I need to give. And if my seeking of God is because of the primary interest of effective preaching, then those on the other side of me get a good preacher, not necessarily a good Christian. Let me ask this question. How many of you have been in church 10 years? At least, and I don't mean you were, you've, you've been every Sunday, but you have church history of like 10 years. Would you raise your hand and keep it up? Okay, look around you. That's, that's the majority of this crowd. Keep it up at 15 years. Look across, 20 years. And now the hands that are going down are just people that aren't that old. It's not, that, that's the only reason. Oh, you young people. I remember those days. Now you get this in high definition. I'm praying for you. So check this out. If I ask this question in some cities in America, especially the Northwest, it wouldn't be this way. We're in the Bible Belt, and the majority of this crowd has at least 10 years. So you... No church. You know how church happens. You know how this goes. And my concern living in the Bible Belt, because I'm like you, I have a lot of church history. I was raised in church. I don't remember a time in my life that church wasn't a significant part of life. But we can get so accustomed to it that the enemy can be successful with us acquiring a form of godliness. But there is no power. It's good church. Because when you've been doing it this long, we should have learned some things. And we should be able to be efficient and effective with the flow of a gathering. But it doesn't mean it's marked by power. It may just be marked by efficiency. 
And back to my story, I get so immersed in this that my prayer becomes, Lord, I want to do great things for you. And, and I wrote this down as I was in prayer and the Lord just drilled it in my heart. And I want to give it to you. He says, Ron, I'm not so interested in what you can do for me. What I really want to know is, do you want me? Because when my focus is about what I can do for God, then my primary interest is what it is I need to do. My pursuit is then how to do what it is I need to do. And so I'm good at doing church, but I may not be a Christian living in spirit power. And I can easily end up with a form of godliness because I've been more about the work of God than the God of the work. And Paul said, I want to know him. That's my prayer. I want to know him. Look, I know you're ahead of me on this. The question of what's it like for those on the other side of me? That's you. And you deserve a leader who has more than a form of godliness. You deserve a leader who has more than education. Who has more than experience that now knows how to do church. You need to be on the other side of a pastor who's going after God. And the result of going after God is that I preach him, him crucified. And the power of God is at work in our heart and in our church. If I go, God, I want there to be power in our church. And I go after the power. I miss it. This is about going after him. He'll add. He'll add. He'll add. David said, early will I seek you. My soul cries out for you. My flesh longs for you. Imagine the kind of seeking heart where your soul and your flesh a line. I usually drag my flesh into the presence of God. Imagine the alignment to where your soul and your flesh want Him. Psalm 27, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when you hear that, the Lord is my light, he's my salvation, you're thinking, yes, he's beside the still waters again. He's in those lush green pastures. He's, no, when you read Psalm 27, you'll find he doesn't just have an enemy, he has enemies. Many foes were rising up against him. He was in absolute war. And in the context of war, his mind is unmoved by the circumstance he is in this stable peace. And I'm like, how? What's the secret? And when you continue to read Psalm 27, it says this. Lord, you said to seek your face. So your face I will seek. To think that even in the intensity of spiritual battle, there can be this attitude that says, 
I will not fear. Because you learn in this pursuit that anyone who does it comes in contact with the God who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And the reward is peace when your world is falling apart. When you have more challenges than any season you remember. It's a stability that comes as a reward to the seeking heart. Those on the other side of me, first and foremost, would be my family. And if I fast forward and I I hear my wife, my son Ryan, my daughter Lindsay Ann, my son Connor, eulogizing me, I don't want it to stop at he worked hard at being a great pastor. He worked hard at, at being fresh when he walked to the platform to preach the gospel. He, he worked hard at leadership. All of those things are fine, but I want, I want the overall influence to be my dad, my husband, had a seeking heart. want those on the other side of me to be influenced by that kind of life. In my prayer time, I've just been journaling. And here's what I felt the Lord saying to me, Ron, if you'll do this, if you'll pursue, then those on the other side of you will be impacted by your life, not just your leadership. It's possible, quite possible to lead and it all be formed. And it's not that you set out for it to be formed, but you allow life to consume in such a way that there's no pursuit of Jesus. We're on the verge of starting a traditional service at 9 and a contemporary service at 1045. And I want you to know that my desire is not that we perfect tradition or modernity. My desire is that we perfect a passion for the presence of God. And if you best connect with God through one of those services or the other, so be it. But it is not about tradition or something that's contemporary. It is about a church that has a heart that is passionate for God. And it's not just on a Sunday. We're followers. We're followers of Him. We're going to follow Him while He may be found. That's what we're about. And if that happens... There's a lot of you that remember the day that this platform was bigger than the churches we attended. I've been in churches where there were more people on this platform a few minutes ago than in the church. Nobody could sing. They tried. 
People say this, bless their heart. (laughs) There wasn't a lot of formal education. You know what? There was a presence of God. So does that mean get rid of all the equipment? No. It means if Paul lived today, he would just remind us God anoints people, not machinery, not equipment. But he would say, get anointed and use all that is at your disposal. Because if we can harness all of this equipment and set it on top of a heart that is passionate for God, then we can influence this community, this region, and this world. But here's the deal. I'm most concerned about your home and my home. Because if I change, I'll change my world. If I change, if I change... Not that I agree with changing the world. Not that I'm a fan of changing the world. Not that I even give money toward changing the world. If I change, that's when I can influence change. If I change. So I'm just very dissatisfied with the answer of what it's like for those on the other side of me. And very convicted that before the God who would send his only son to search me out, to seek me, and take my heart of stone and sin and change it to a heart that's redeemed, that I would not then seek to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. So what I'm going to do is ask this worship team to come back. And I want to pray corporately and then I'm, I'm going to the altar. And if you want to get saved, then it's this clear and simple. Jesus has chased you down even to this service. He loves you. And he's awakening you to the need that you have of him because nothing else has worked. Check it out. Nothing else has worked. And if you'll surrender to him, you'll find that he, he fills the vacuum, the void. He gives meaning. He fills the emptiness. He, he will apprehend you. You will sense the grip of grace, the love of God. And that then re redefines your course and you start walking in pursuit of him in spiritual growth within which is your destiny you'll get a hunger for him for those of you that know the Lord Maybe today you just say, you know what? I'm not satisfied with the answer to the question either. I would ask you to, here in a moment, just meet me. Find you a place and seek the Lord. Maybe in a long time since you stood and walked and I just found a place to pray. 
So I just encourage you to do it. It may be your first time to ever be at this church. None of that matters. All that matters is your heart before him being opened, saying, I want more. I want more. I don't want more of the things. I want more of him. The Bible says that the Lord, his eyes are like searching. Looking for those whose hearts would be passionate for him. Start capturing a vision of what it will be like in this church if this catches corporately and corporately we're hungrier and thirstier for God than we've ever been. James chapter 4 verse 7 says if we will draw near he will draw near to us. Draw near to me says the Lord and I will draw near to you. I will. Is there a greater invitation? Is there a greater invitation? Holy Spirit, we just place our hearts before you in humility and sincerity, honesty. There are people in this room, I know, Lord, they need to get saved. And I pray that they understand you have found them. And you are not in any way incapable of taking them and all their sin, all their shame, all the failure all the horrible mistakes, you can take it all and wash them in your precious grace. You will cleanse. You will shape their thoughts, direct their path in a whole new, incredible direction. I pray they'll come today to this altar. I pray that others who are believers, who may be recognizing a need for a first love, to move beyond some compromise or nurturing a secret sin or just being satisfied with form. Form. But no power. No vitality. No authenticity. May they come. Lord, I want to be the first get on my face and just tell you that I want you that I need you I want it to be you and me and not me and me I want to follow, press seek you Amen You come as the Lord leads you